Mac Power Users, Episode 328, iOS Email. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside my pal David Sparks. Hello, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I'm well. Welcome back from your San Francisco adventure. Oh, it was so fun. I had so much time. I mean, so much fun meeting with clients and and developers and Mac Power Users fans. There's We got a lot of Mac Power Users fans at Apple. Did you know that? I had a feeling. I love that. It was, for some reason in my head, I always think everybody at Apple just automatically knows all this stuff. But, you know, they're like us. They're just trying to figure it out. We actually had a show in between the WWD show, CISO, and this one. But uh, you and I actually haven't had a chance to talk much since. But I've I've heard some great things. I've I've heard seen some good tweets, seen some good things from our listeners. So uh, I'm I'm excited you got to go, and I look forward to joining you one day. The the interesting thing, and I'll just take a minute to talk about this because I think it's relevant to Mac Power users. Is Apple this year? They didn't bite off a whole lot. I mean, the updates are nice and iterative, but we didn't have a new platform. We didn't have something that's like revolutionary and requires all the app developers to rebuild their apps again. So they work. And the general feel I got from most of the developers I talked to is that's a good thing. You know, they're tired of every year having to invent, reinvent their app for a new platform or a new design. Uh, this year is the year that I suspect we're going to see a lot of interesting new features because the stuff that the developers have been putting off while they've been trying to keep up with Apple, this is the year they get to do it all. They all looked like they were even able going to go on their vacations this year. So, uh, it may be fun. Yeah. And just as a tease, uh, several, uh, prominent developers have agreed to come on the Mac power users in an upcoming show. So we're going to have some developer perspective on where the Mac OS and iOS platforms are headed. You know, one so, of my favorite shows that we've done was that developer roundtable. So maybe it's time to to redo that. It's coming back. Is I talked to them. Everybody's, everybody's eager to come back and they all have a lot to say. So that's coming back soon. Right. Cool. All right. Well, but that's not what this show is about. This show is all about iOS and email. Yeah, and e- email is the Alec Baldwin of um, Mac Power user subjects. You know, like Alec Baldwin is on Saturday Live every other week. Email I, is our show. You have very, very strong feelings about email on iOS. I do. And they've really changed a lot in the last couple months. So I felt like I had to get it out of my system and share all this with the listeners. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's true. He did. He was like, we got to do an iOS email show. We got to do an I'm like, didn't we just do an email show? We got to do an iOS email show. I'm like, well, okay. We did a show on email clients and it wasn't long ago, I'll admit. And at the end of that show, I concluded, well, the answer is just Apple Mail is the one that, sh- you know, works for me and should work for most people. And I, about two months ago, I was trying to deal with an email and I just wanted to save an email as a PDF, you know, just the share sheet and an Apple Mail and it wasn't working. And then I went to search for something and Apple Mail does this weird thing when you search where it searches and it gets about 90% away through the progress bar. And then it just slows down to a crawl for minutes, if not hours. And I said, Dave, there's got to be a better way. So I loaded all the major email applications on my iPad and my iPhone. And I spent the time and trust me, it took some time to configure all of my accounts and all those email clients. And my home screen has been littered with email clients for about, I guess, three months now. And I had an Apple note that I have been keeping notes in. So every time I see something I like or I don't like in one of them, I write it down. And 
in conclusion, I am not using Apple Mail as my primary email client. You're going to have to listen to find out which one I'm using. And I found two or three that are actually really good alternatives. So uh, this is the time to kind of do the brain dump and tell everybody about what I've learned about email on iOS. And it's uh, it's an interesting story to tell. And while we're still in the the intro a little bit and kind of on the subject of WWDC and all, I was a little disappointed, David, that we did not see major improvements to the Apple Mail client introduced at WWDC. There were uh, a few things that were mentioned kind of in passing, like, um, but we did not see a share sheet coming to email no. at, WW, at WWDC. I mean, this 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 show, I could have recorded the show probably last month, but I thought I don't want to do the show and then have Apple fix a bunch of the things I'm going to complain about in iOS email and the new beta. And, you know, I guess they accommodated me because they didn't fix pretty much any of it. So <laughs> Apple Mail is still what it is. It's actually Apple Mail is still a very good client. And if you like it, then you should use it. And there's certain things I still use it for. In fact, one of the things that occurred to me as I was writing for this show is that I'm now using email clients the way I use camera tools on my iPhone. You know, we did that show a couple months ago about how I used to use my iPhone as my camera now. And all these apps for camera tools are really great. They allow me to change the functionality of my camera. Uh, email clients are the same way. And even six months ago, to me, an email client was, you, know, you had one, you just chose one, you use that, and that's the one warts and all. And what I've discovered is on iOS, there's really not a reason to just stick with one. There's no reason, in fact, you can't use different email clients to solve different email problems. And that's kind of what I've done. So in true Mac power users fashion, I'm going to take a somewhat simple problem and make it super complex. So welcome to the show. Okay. <laughs> uh, before we get started going through the clients and I picked, you know, the ones that survived, it was kind of like survivor, you know, some of them got thrown off the Island. I, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time talking about all the ones that didn't make it. Uh, I think we're going to be out of time as it is with the ones that I like. Uh, but, you know, you need to have some basic understand. We've covered email a lot in the past on Mac power users, but um, the client you choose and the way you process email on your iOS device is going to partly depend on which email technology you're using. Uh, iCloud is what a lot of people use because you get that free with your iOS device. Gmail is super popular with a lot of people, and that really has an impact on which client you should use. Um, and then there's more traditional things like IMAP and POP. And then, of course, Microsoft is always at the table with Exchange. And as I go through these different clients, I'm going to talk about the where their strengths and weaknesses are in respect to those uh, technologies. But, you know, know which one you're using as you make these choices. Like if you really love Gmail tools, but you're using iCloud or IMAP, you probably should be using Gmail. And that's a different, you know, you want to change your underlying technology or vice versa. If you've got, if you're really hooked on Gmail, some of these other clients that really aren't traditional Gmail clients appeal to you, then maybe you want to think about changing the underlying uh, technology for your email. Um, another concern I wanted to, to share up front is as much as it is fun to make fun of Apple Mail and the, the reasons and questions why they haven't progressed more. Uh, we really understand Apple Mail in terms of security. I mean, Apple Mail doesn't, you know, Apple has their servers. Apple's a company that we, we trust. Obviously, they take privacy very seriously as the news bears out. Um, when you go to some of these third-party apps, you don't necessarily know where your email is stored. So be careful, and especially if you're in any field that privacy is a huge deal, 
take a look at those types of questions before you go whole hog on some third-party mail client. Um, the ones I'm mentioning in the show, I think, are generally pretty safe, but I just want to kind of put that out there. Um, and then the third thing is, if you want to go down this rabbit hole, get an understanding of what it takes to set up your mail accounts, because a lot of people don't realize that it's a little more difficult than you think. Yeah, and this is still a pain point that Apple really hasn't solved, and I don't know if they haven't solved it because it's just not yet cropped up their list yet or if it's because of the security. You know, when you set up the Internet accounts on your Mac, that information syncs through iCloud. So if you set up an account on your Mac, typically the only thing you have to put on another Mac uh, is your password because it will it will share the settings back and forth between Macs. I just, um, you know, added a new email account to my iOS device and I had to do it on my Mac, on my iPad and on my iPhone and going through that whole process, every single device I had to put in the name, the username, the password, the, the IMAP address, the, the SMTP address. I mean, and I had to configure the signatures. I I mean, it was, it, it wasn't horrible, but it was, it was still probably a five to seven minute process on each device. Yep. And uh, so what can you do to make that easier? One password comes to the rescue or whatever your password manager of choices. Yeah. Just copying that data back and forth is a lot easier than reentering it each time. Yeah. And um, also it's using keyboard shortcuts and you know, whether you use text expander or just the built in iOS keyboard shortcuts. Well, be careful what you mean for about that. I mean, well, I, I was about shortcuts. to explain it. Okay. I was about to explain it. Like I have a keyboard shortcut for the server name. I, my email for my legal and my Max Sparky stuff is done through hover, you know, hover those amazing people that occasionally sponsor our show. They also get some of my money. So, uh, I pay them to host my email. So, and their mail server is mail.hover.com. Isn't that clever? You know, no SMTP or silly things like that. It's just mail.hover.com. Well, I've saved that as a as a keyboard expansion. So when I get to those screens where I have to type that in repeatedly, I can do that very quickly. I do the same thing with Boy, my email. Boy, you can tell you've set up a lot of email clients recently. I am a pro, honey. I could I could just set it, man. I, you wouldn't believe how fast I can do it now. Wait till you, the next piece of it, it's even harder, but I, I'm going to save that. But the... Uh, but getting it set up so I've got the the server information and also the email accounts. And it makes a lot of sense to save your email addresses as shortcuts anyway. I use like eLaw for my legal one, eSpark for Max Sparky. So I can go through. Now, the passwords, obviously, that is a really bad idea to use a keyboard shortcut for your password. And that's where 1Password comes in. But the trick is you put it in 1Password, you copy the actual password to the clipboard you know, through one password and then you use the keyboard shortcuts to enter the other key information and you can get them signed up pretty quickly that way. But you got to do it for every app. And at one point I had something like 10 email apps on my phone. (laughs) So uh, it took a while. Uh, The other thing that's a real big pain point is with iCloud, if you're using two-factor authentication and Apple does not let you use your standard Apple ID password when you're accessing your iCloud information when you've got two-factor authentication turned on. Instead, you have to go to appleid.apple.com and sign in. And there's a security tab there. And it's not obvious, but that's where you click on where it says security. And under there, you've got the ability to get a one-time password assigned for third-party applications. And so you click in there, then you can save a one a password. So I've got I've gone through and made a bunch of passwords from my iCloud account to use in all these various email clients. And when you add to it the fact that I have an iPhone and multiple iPads, I am actually pretty good at it. 
<laughs> so I guess I get a merit badge for email signups. If whatever works for you. If there was one, I would have it. That's for sure. So as you're getting started down this process, make sure you have the information you need to get started. And even if you get to the end of the show and you're a believer and say, that's great. I want to try some of these apps out. And one of these is going to maybe be my primary email client. You still don't get to escape Apple mail. Um, when you go in third parties and they say send as mail, or when you hit the email hyperlink on a website or something, guess where you're going? You know, you're going back Apple to mail. mail. Yeah. yeah, you're going straight in Apple Mail. So, now with iOS 10, there's been a big lot of talk about the fact that you can remove the mail application, but you still cannot set, at least as of the betas we've seen thus far, another application as your default. So if you do remove the mail application, you're not going to be able to use those links. Which yeah, is I just a pain just point. just for the record, I think that's a terrible idea is to remove those default apps that are like Safari, Mail, the stuff that actually is used in the operating system. Um, if they come out with I can, a I can remove the tips app, right? Yeah, you can remove the tips. You can remove stocks. I mean, there's there's apps in there that you don't need. But uh, for the ones that you use to get work done with links, anything that's, that uses a link, and maybe by the time we get to the end of this beta, Apple will include some system where you can set a default app and those links will go to your Gmail or whatever client you want. That would be fine, but uh, I, I wouldn't be in a big hurry to remove Safari and Mail from my device. And, and and frankly, there's still a place for Apple Mail. When we get to the end of this journey, I'll tell you about that. Um, but you're not going to escape Apple Mail very easily. Uh, Siri is still the only cl email client covered by Siri is still Apple Mail. So, I mean, there's still some things going on. But the fact is, there's a bunch of hungry developers out there that are not on Apple's schedule who are willing to take some risks and add some additional features to make mail more usable for, for you. And we've got it down to about four or five here in this outline. And we want to talk about a couple that we think you should really spend some time looking at. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Casper because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off with the code MPU. We spend roughly half our lives in bed, but we spend so little time thinking about the mattress that we sleep on. Casper is a company that is focused on sleep. Casper has created one perfect mattress that it sells directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated pricing. Casper has revolutionized the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that saving directly to you, the consumer. Casper has an award-winning mattress that was developed in-house and has a sleek design. It's super comfortable. I sleep on one every night. And it's delivered in an impossibly small box. Your Casper mattress was developed by an in-house team of engineers that spent thousands of hours making it just right. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning mattress that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Time Magazine named it as one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact, now it's the most awarded mattress of the decade. Plus, its breathable design helps you regulate your temperature throughout the night. There are so many people involved in the mattress racket that when you go to buy one, you're going to expect to spend over $1,500. But that's not the case with Casper. They've cut out the middlemen. It costs only $500 for a twin-side mattress, $600 for a twin, $750 for a fool, $850 for a queen, and $950 for a king. So no matter how big your bed is, you're going to get into a Casper mattress for less than $1,000, and they are made in America. 
Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. They offer a free delivery and free returns in the U.S. and Canada with a 100-night home trial. I don't know about you, but when I've bought mattresses in the past, it's usually after spending 5 or 10 minutes laying on one in a store. I've never had a 100-night home trial before, and that's what Casper can bring to the game. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. Best of all, you can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com MPU and using the MPU offer code. Terms and conditions apply. So thank you, Casper, for supporting the Mac Power users. Get $50 off your Casper mattress today by visiting casper.com MPU. I think the first power user email, third-party email client was Dispatch. For me, at least, that's the first one that I really took notice of. I know I you're use, you yeah, user of Dispatch as well, right? Yeah, that's the first one that I've taken note of. And honestly, it's really the only one that, for me, has stuck. It's it's probably not the prettiest app. It it could benefit from a design overhaul. but it's And it's not my default mail app. I, I still use Apple Mail as my default. I haven't switched yet. But it, it's the one that I've really gotten, and it's I think of dispatch more as a utility. It's when I when I need to process through a lot of mail, or when I've got some time and I'm just sitting with my iPad and I need to power through mail. Dispatch is what I go for. So dispatch is made by the same guys that make Do, which is an app we talk about seems like at least once a month, and Clips, which is one we don't talk about so often, but I use all the time. It's a clipboard manager for iOS. It keeps a list of all my you know things I copy so i can paste later and i think the design of the application is actually pretty good i i came across this book when i was writing my email field guide and at the time it was a an iphone only app and i i begged them to get it on mac on the ios i mean on the ipad and that took a long time yeah but they eventually did and the overall design this is definitely what i would call a power user app it it it's got your display on the left column and then your messages on the right column. But it adds a whole bunch of tools that the Apple team is just not allowed to put in an email application. Um, and I guess I would start with just kind of the whimsical element of it. It's very kind of whimsy. The sounds are very whimsical. The, um, the interface is, it feels to me like something that is supposed to make mail a little bit more fun. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And they were the first app to really, in my mind, take advantage of the swipe behaviors that we get. Now, Apple Mail has since copied this. I'm not going to say they copied it from Dispatch because I know other people were looking at swipe behaviors before Dispatch. But so, you know, you've got that typically you've got the left column of the list of your messages. If you swipe on that, it opens up menus to do things like if you swipe all the way to the left, it, it will archive the message for you. If you swipe partially, it'll open up a bunch of features where you can trash it or you can reply. You can star it, mark it as read or save to your archive. And that makes for quick work as you get through an inbox. You know, getting back to that thing Katie was talking about is, you know, I need an app that allows me to get through my email faster. And like if you have a podcast or if you've got a job where you've got a bunch of people sending you email that's really a big deal. If you've got something that can eliminate taps and swipes and gestures and the extra steps necessary to send replies, uh, that's a good reason to be looking at some of these third-party mail applications. And I, I feel like Dispatch was one of the very first ones to kind of get that. 
And for a long time, I used Dispatch like Katie. It was like a, a mail tool. When I got really behind, I would go through it. Um, one of the things I really like about Dispatch is the way you compose email with it. Um, and this is the only application that we're going to talk about today that has this salutation feature. I love it. Love so, that salutation feature. Yeah. So like if you're replying to someone, if I'm replying to Katie, as soon as I hit reply button, the very top line says, hi, Katie. It pulls her first name out of the message and adds it with whatever salutation I want. I could make it say dear or beloved or whatever. And it puts Katie's name in the end. Uh, so if you're sending a lot of email replies, um, as silly as it sounds, taking out the time required to fill in that first line makes a difference. Uh, this is particularly good for dictators because a lot of times when you dictate um, the person's name, when you're replying, especially with Siri dictation, not necessarily with Dragon, but with Siri, uh, it is going to have trouble with the names. So just as often as not, you're going to get something that's not the person's actual name in the salutation line. Then you've got to go up and manually edit it. All that stuff is removed. But you do you have to keep dispatch. an you do have to keep an eye on it because it's pulling that information um, from the the from field in the email. So, but if the person hasn't configured their email to have their proper name, it it may not get it right. Yeah, or sometimes it'll pull their last name first because of the way the message was coded. You do occasionally get errors, but you see it. It's not it's not hidden from you. You'll see it as you start the the message. So then you type in, and it handles replies really well. Um, they have uh, another two features they have that are exclusive to, I think, the the clients we're going to talk about in the show is, number one, it's got like an internal snippet system, which is nice. But even more importantly, it has text expander uh, support built right in. So if you're uh, on the text expander team and using a bunch of text expander snippets, it is really nice having that in your email client. And so what this means is the developer has actually built in support for text expander so you don't have to use the text expander specific keyboard when you're composing with the mail. You can just, once you've enabled this, use your normal text expander snippets within the email client and they will auto expand. Now, I, David, I, you probably know this better than I do because you, you use the external keyboard more. I, I still don't think this works with external keyboards, though, does it? Well, let me just test. <laughs> no, well, it you, works. Oh, it works. So that's I, I, that's a yeah. huge feature that it works with external keyboards because it doesn't have to rely on that text expander keyboard. Yeah, that's which, great. Unfortunately, do developer restrictions when you're typing with a text expander keyboard using an external keyboard. I don't think it can relay that. Yeah, and so so getting email written with dispatch is is really a joy and in a lot of ways superior to the experience in Apple Mail. And, and that's one of the reasons why this one made the list. Um, there's some stuff that I, I really like about some stuff. I I'm, have some issues with it, but another thing that they were one of the first to the table with is what I'll call actionless. And, and this exists with respect to all the clients we're going to mention today. They've all got some implementation of this and action lists are where you can take an email message and do something with it. And we talked about the, how there's no share sheet in Apple mail and what a pain in the neck that is. Uh, that I think was a primary driver in the creation a lot of, of a lot of these applications. Um, with Dispatch, they largely use the built-in share sheet extensions that you would get. Some of the other ones we're going to talk about have built their own extension network, like uh, connections. Like, um, for instance, with OmniFocus, some have will send you straight into the OmniFocus app, and others will try and just get a, a portion of your OmniFocus data. 
And depending on how far you want to go down the rabbit hole, you're going to like one or the other better. Uh, but what the way they do it with dispatches is they've got a um, kind of a link to the message. I mean, one of the issues, I guess, just to back up a little bit, I think one of the reasons why Apple has had a lot of trouble putting a share sheet into Apple Mail is what exactly are they sharing? I mean, it's easy when you want to make a PDF. You want to take the existing text and turn it into a PDF, and that's something that is usually accomplished through a share sheet. But what if you just say, I want to put this message into an OmniFocus task, or I want to put this message into a text message? Are are they supposed to get the text out of it, or are they supposed to get a link to the mail message? Because the email message is there's a data format to that. And I'm not sure. I think Apple is probably scratching their head trying to figure out what exactly is it that they're sharing. Because when you share it in one form, you may want it as a link, a hyperlink to the actual message body itself. And when you share it in another method, you may want it converting to convert the text into something you can use. And I just don't think it's entirely clear. And even these third party applications have different approaches to it. With dispatch, they create a dispatch link. It's like a URL X dispatch um, URL that, that links back to the message. But I've had fairly inconsistent results with being able to activate those links to get back into dispatch to see it. And I think part of the reason why I have that trouble is because I'm using dispatch on three different iOS devices. But I, I don't think that the problem is entirely solved even by the people who are currently shipping share sheet style actions. So that was a long talk. But Katie, how are you using actions when you're in dispatch? So I'm using dispatch. The primary way that I'm using dispatch is honestly when I'm powering through the Mac power users feedback. And what what I tend to do is I let that accumulate for a little while, a week or two, and then I, I power through it all at once. And so the way that we've talked about this in the past, our workflow, David, is we have a shared Evernote notebook. So I'll respond to an email, you respond to the email. And if it's something that we may want to have follow up for the live show, we send that email to a shared Evernote notebook and dispatch has the ability to link into Evernote. And so you can save emails and save attachments to a specific Evernote notebook. So dispatch is great for so many reasons for me when replying to Mac power users emails. First, I hit the reply button and the salutation is already in there. I can have access to my text expander snippets. Yes, I'm sorry if that upsets you. I do use sometimes text expander snippets when replying to massive amounts of email. Um, I can make the reply. And then if it's a if it's got a, an audio comment attached to it, if it's an email that I want to save that we want to mention to the live show, I hit a button on Dispatch. I save it to Evernote. It even remembers the last notebook that I saved it to. So it's going to you know typically go to that uh, MPU notebook that we save things to. And, and boom, it's in there. It's in the MPU notebook and any attachments that are there. So- yeah, and that, that's an interesting point because I just had, before I went on the Spirit Quest, I had my Evernote account ran out. And so I was using the free account because at this point, Evernote, that's the only thing I do with Evernote is I save Mac Power users feedback to it. But they have a very limited number of forwards. And you know, we had this magic email address we could forward things to that would put the feedback email into that notebook. So I ended up having to buy an account with Evernote for another year just so I could do that. And I didn't realize at the time that if I had been doing this on iOS, I would have been able to save those to the Evernote directly on device without having to go through that weird connection. So next year I won't have to renew Evernote. So it would have saved me money if I figured that out earlier. Yeah. Um, so it's, How come you didn't tell me that, Katie? I, I believe you should pay for Evernote if you're going to use it, David. So I'd let you okay. pay for it. 
Okay. Um, so, so you're using those Evernote extension, OmniFocus extension. Are you using any others? Um, Evernote, OmniFocus, occasionally. Uh, th- those are the two big ones. Uh, Fantastical, sometimes I'll send something to Fantastical, but really those are the two big ones. And, and the beauty is, is that when I'm powering through that, that feedback folder, I'm doing some of the same tasks over and over and over again, um, which is wonderful. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot to love about this application. Uh, one of the things I think that Dispatch does really well is search. Um, as I said at the top of the show, I think Apple Mail, I don't know if it's because it's going onto the server to look at the mail on the server or what the problem is, but sometimes Apple Mail just hangs on me. Have you ever seen it do that where it looks mm-hmm. like it's almost done with the search and it just never finishes or it does finish, but an email that was written two days ago that you know should be there doesn't show up. Um, there's something going on with Apple Mail search and I haven't got to the bottom of it yet. I'm using the beta, so maybe I'll report back, but I haven't, I, I did a search on Apple Mail since I had installed the beta and it didn't feel like it was any better. Uh, whereas Dispatch does a pretty good job. It prompts you, um, it's one of the fastest and most consistent of the mail apps that we've talked about on the show to, that I'm going to talk about on the show today for search. Um, and I, I think that is really nice. I also appreciate that it was one of the first ones to the game. You know, they, they really kind of uh, were one of the pioneers in this kind of power email application. And they, it really makes a great complementary application where maybe you spend most of your time in Apple Mail, but when you're like Katie and you really need to power through a few things, um, dispatch may be the way to go. They've made a bunch of improvements over the last six months. They've added an iOS application, which was important. Uh, also, when Dispatch first came out, it was an inbox only thing. I mean, I don't know if you recall, but that was it just looked at one place, your inbox. Right. And the idea of it was kind of I think it was motivated by Merlin and some of the talks he had given. where I say this is a, a tool to use to clear out your inbox. Um, since then, they've and that was a big problem for me because I'm I've got Sanebox that clears out my inbox for me. When I would open dispatch, there wasn't the only stuff that was in there was the really key stuff that Samebox found, which I don't need a tool like dispatch for. But since then, they have added the ability to look at any folder in your email clients. And it's more of a traditional email client at this time, although it did, still does have some of that legacy that when it started out was an inbox cleaning tool. And as a result, I think that's one of the reasons why, Katie, you probably don't find yourself wanting to use it every day for mm-hmm. everything. Um, some of the stuff I don't love about it, uh, it it did a poor job at auto filling unusual email addresses, you know, and Apple mail and one of Apple mails, good qualities is it does a really good job of finding somebody's name. If I start typing Katie, it's going to know Katie Floyd, somebody I've sent email to, and it's going to try and autofill her name and dispatch had a real hard time with some of the more common names that I use and even things that were not common names like the secret Evernote email address or the OmniFocus um, secret address to add something to the OmniFocus through the mail drop. It really had trouble finding those. I would go, finally I went into the contacts app and copied and pasted it in. And it was like, you know, it took a long time where in Apple mail that wouldn't have happened. And even after I went to the trouble to do that, it still didn't remember some of those people that I'd manually added. And these are these are address book entries. So I felt like that was a, a real kind of a roadblock. I mean, if you want to use it as your mail app, but you go to compose a message and it can't find the recipient, that's not going to be very good. And um, another thing I don't like about it is while they were pretty 
early to the game with these swipe gestures, um, they have all but ignored keyboard navigation and customization as far as I can tell. And, um, and there's some apps I'm going to talk about later that have really taken that to a new level. So if you've got a keyboard attached to your iPad, it makes managing email a lot easier and a lot faster. Yeah. I, I like dispatch for what it is. I think the reason that it hasn't become my primary email client is it's, it's just a little too finicky. And I know part of that is because the number of features that it has, it kind of has to be, I think it probably could do from a, a little bit of a feature overhaul. How can it make things simpler? How, how can it limit the number of steps that I have to do things? How can it make it easier for me to find the things? I feel like I spend a lot of time running through the the settings and trying to figure out exactly where I'm trying to configure what I want to do. I think a little bit of a, a UI overhaul and a simplification would be nice for dispatch. I, I think it can be a little daunting if it's an application that you're you're first looking at, but there's a lot of power behind there. Um, and, and with that power, I think can come some complexity. Yeah. Well, all of these are a little more complex than Apple mail. And that's one of the reasons why we're, we're covering this. Um, if I had a, a Lego set and I could, you know, build, cause it's all comes to Lego, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. I guess. So the, the pieces that I would want to take out of dispatch in my ideal perfect world email client, um, one of them would definitely be the ability to auto add that salutation. I mean, that's great. Just, you know, just why shouldn't every email application when you hit reply, say a hi Katie at the top of it or whoever your True. recipient yeah. is. And text expander support seems to me like such a natural and maybe this is a power user function, but boy, you can get email done so much faster when you kind of embrace something like text expander. And I don't think the cost of entry is super high for a developer to add. Those are two things that really make dispatch a winner. Another thing it does that I like, and some other applications do versions of this, but I think dispatch does a really great job. When you send an email, it has the option to send an archive. So like when you're getting through the feedback email from Mac power users or getting through the backlog at work, you can send a reply and have it archive the original message all in one action. And that that's another thing. It, it adds up when you're getting through a lot of email and it seems like just a, such a natural and a lot of other applications don't really do it that well or at all. All right. Anything else on dispatch? Uh, each one of these is worth checking out. Yeah. I, I think Katie's used case for dispatch is one of the best dispatch makes i think a great um i, I think of it like my swiss army knife yeah exactly it's like a it's a power tool uh if for someone who's happy with apple mail but occasionally wants a little more power i think dispatch is a great solution for you I want to take a moment and thank another longtime sponsor of our show, and that is 1Password. And they have got some great news to share, and that is 1Password Teams, which was originally introduced back in November as a beta, has officially launched. So 1Password Teams is launched. It is available. And of course, because it's 1Password, there's a special. If you haven't gotten in on the beta, if you haven't tried out 1Password Teams yet, you may want to go check it out now because they are offering special pricing between now and in Jan uh, July 31st. So with a special teams pricing, you can actually get everything that's available in the pro plan for the standard price. And that's only going to be available during their early adopter deal. So you may want to head over to onepassword.com and check that out and see if you can get subscribed up before July 31st to take advantage of it. So what is 1Password for Teams? It allows you to share the convenience and security of 1Password with everyone in your life. And especially if you're a small business owner, this is so important because it's going to give you the tools you need to control and manage access to the important information because you're going to have access to the team admin console. And what that's going to allow you to do 
is to easily bring people on board. So invite people from all of your team members to join into 1Password. You're going to be able to share access to certain 1Password vaults. So you can share access to vaults, you can revoke access to vaults, and those are going to appear automatically on all the devices for all of your team members without them having to figure out any configuring or syncing. You're also going to be able to access who can control what, because you know not everybody on your team needs the ability to see or change every password. You're going to have the ability to create read-only vaults to control who can see your print items and even to allow teammates to log into sites without being able to see the passwords for those sites. And of course, one of the most requested features, if one of your team member happens to forget their password to 1Password, you have the ability to reset the master password for the team member. So hopefully they can remember 1Password, but if not, you've got a backup plan for emergencies. And of course, they get all the 1Password goodness. They've got 1Password for Mac, 1Password for Windows, 1Password for Android, 1Password for iOS, all of the 1Password goodness that you would come to expect from the application that you love is all available there in 1Password for Teams. So you can go check it out. You can go learn more information about 1Password from Teams on their website over at onepassword.com. Make sure you sign up before July 31st to take advantage of their special early promotion. And thanks 1Password for your kind support of the show. I uh, The next one I have is one of my absolute favorites. I've been using this one. I guess this is the one I'm primarily using now, but it's hard to pick right now. I really like, uh, there's a couple of these I really like a lot, but Airmail has really come a long way since we did that show. Well, and they've come on with additional platforms. I'm not sure that those things were out at the time we did our original show either. Yeah, it wasn't on iPad yet. They, it was it was a, um, it was hypothetical on iPad. And that makes a huge difference for me because I do so much of this stuff on iPad. You're like, you're, you're heading into Federico territory. You're uh, going to be all iPad all the time soon. No, you know, I'm not really. I, I think I am in some ways. The, um, I, I sit at the iMac many hours a day, but the, the laptop is getting abandoned. I, I barely ever use it. I brought the and, laptop. And you just had to have that little MacBook. And I really liked it. If you look back, somebody asked me about my MacBook and they said, well, did you like it or not? And I, I sent them a copy of the review. I went back and read the original review. I liked, I really liked it. But I think there's just something about the nice big screen of the iPad Pro and just the nerd part of me loves learning new things and you know, learning how to do the same work I was doing before, just fine on a computer, the switch over to my iPad, that, that's almost irresistible to me. But getting back to Airmail, um, Airmail is a great app. They've come out with an iPad version. They've t- put tons of support into trying to make it much more than dispatch. They want this to be the email application that you use. They, this, they, you know, Their goal is nothing less than a replacement of Apple Mail. And it supports Gmail, Exchange, IMAP, and POP3. So just about any technology you want to use. I'm currently using it for some IMAP accounts and an iCloud account. Um, I've heard from listeners who are using it for Gmail. No problem. Um, have you spent any time with Airmail, Katie? I've looked at it, but it's honestly, if I'm not going to switch from Apple Mail, especially on the Mac for my primary email client, I've I've just decided it's not going to be my primary email client because it seems like in order for Airmail to, to really have its full focus, you really want to be on Airmail everywhere is, is my understanding. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I So I'm using Airmail on iPads and iPhones. Airmail has a Mac app and I'm not using that. I'm using Apple Mail on the Mac. 
And I'll explain why as we get further into it. But there's no reason why you can't use a different app on iOS than you're using on the Mac. Um, so so Airmail uh, really has been aimed squarely at a iOS 9. It's got I you know all the support that you'd want for an iPad Pro user. It's got the support for the iPad Pro keyboard. It doesn't have that big, ugly keyboard from some of these other apps. It supports split screen. You can use Touch ID to lock the app, which kind of makes sense for a mail application. If someone has my device, I think it'd be kind of nice to add that extra secure level of security. Um, one of the features I like that they have, and SparkMail also has this, this is the next one we're going to cover, a preference sync. And you know, we talked earlier about what a pain in the neck it is to set up accounts uh, with with airmail, it will see the accounts you've got on the other devices and it will offer to import them. You're still going to have to put your password in, but you're not going to have to go through all the monkeying around of getting in your mail settings. It'll grab that from the other devices. And there's so much more that it can sync because airmail, I think of all of these is probably the most customizable. Just about every feature in it, you can customize, you can customize the color. You can customize the little, the icons for each one of your accounts um, you can customize the swipe behaviors. I'm going to get into this as we go into the app deeper, but this application, you really can make your own. And if you've got more than one iOS device or even a Mac and an iOS device, who wants to do that three times? You know, you just, once you, you set it, turn on preference sync on all your devices and everything gets taken care of. Uh, and just kind of on that theme of them wanting to become your primary device, it has a unified inbox, it has handoff, you know, so you can be working on the iPad and jump to the Mac or jump to the phone and you can just pick up where you left off. Um, they're really trying to bring the A game to email here. So with, with airmail, you mentioned that you're using it on your iPad, but and are you using it primarily? Is this the one that you're using primarily on your iPhone as well, but not yeah. on Apple Mail? Well, I, I've been using them all in prep for the show, and I'm really going to face a little bit of a, a crisis here. Yeah. <laughs> as we finish, because I don't know which <laughs> Airmail and Spark both have big advantages. Probably Airmail is probably the winner for me because of the extent that it's customizable and what you can do with it. And a couple of features I'll talk about. Like one of the things I really love about Airmail is the keyboard shortcuts. Isn't right. that a silly uh, thing? No, because you're, you're about, such a keyboard guy. Well, I mean, when I usually when I go out and like that's one of my favorite things to do if I go to Starbucks and want to get out of the house or if I've taken my daughter to choir rehearsal and I'm sitting in the store for two hours drinking coffee waiting for her to come out. Um. I will just bring the iPad and with a keyboard, I can just lightning, you know, go through email there. Um, but, and you're, do, you're doing this primarily with the uh, keyboard cover attached to your iPad, right? Yeah. The smart cover on an iPad pro, you know, just sitting on my lap there and it recognizes Google keyboard shortcuts. So you can arrow through your list. If you hit the R button, you can just start a reply. You don't have to reach up and tap the screen or anything. And they also have, um, the ability to go into the settings and set customizable shortcuts for keys to do different things. Like for instance, uh, the right arrow, you know, the lower right corner of the smart mm -hmm. keyboard, right arrow for me opens the move to folder. So because I use um, SaneBox, the move to folder is really helpful. So if I want to move a message to two weeks or action or whatever at the right arrow, then I can hit the down arrow key to get to wherever I want to go. Um, the left arrow key uh, triggers a save to OmniFocus action for me. 
So I don't even have to, you know, fiddle through menus. If I've got an email that I want to turn into an action OmniFocus, I just hit the left arrow key and it goes right into it for me. And just to jump around the outline a little bit, I really like the way um, that they manage OmniFocus integration with Airmail. It, 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 it goes, it switches the app over to OmniFocus. Whoops. I just bumped the mic. I'm waving my hands around. He's going crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, but it's, it's opens up OmniFocus, creates a new task and it's a true OmniFocus task, new task entry sheet. And the notes grabs all the text from the email, but it puts you on the sheet where you would be entering data about a new task. And this is superior than the typical share sheet functionality of OmniFocus because the Omni group doesn't have the ability to put all of its data into that share sheet function. Uh, So when I get into the app, I have the ability to set a due date and a start date and a flag and a bunch of other stuff. Whereas if I'm in the share sheet, all I get to set is the notes, the context and the project. So if I've got something that I want to put a due date on, I actually have to go into OmniFocus later. If I can go back, you were talking about the keyboard shortcuts and yeah. how that was such an important feature. I can see that how that can be very important both on the Mac, which you said you don't use this primarily on the Mac, and on the iPad when you're using your keyboard cover, which, um, by the way, I was trying out the 9.7-inch keyboard cover in the Apple Store, and I really, really like it. Just get one. Yeah, it's I know. Totally it's, it. it's on my birthday list. If I don't get it for my birthday, I'm going to buy it for myself. Um, but so... I don't see this being as big as a, a of a benefit on the iPhone though, because many times if you're just browsing through or sorting through email, your your keyboard's not going to be open. Yeah, I don't use them at all on the keyboard on the on, on the, the iPhone. iPhone. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, there's different like the swipe gestures. It it turns up swipe gestures over what you can do with Dispatch. I mean, they're fully customizable. You can have as many as you want. Like I have three swipes from the right side of the the screen on the the mail list and the farthest swipe to the left opens OmniFocus and creates a task out of the, the mail. So I do the same thing with a swipe. But you know when you're when you're really powering through with an iPad Pro, uh, having robust keyboard shortcuts makes a big difference. Cool. Um so I- some of the other keyboard shortcuts. I mean I I have um I have one that sends it to trash. I've got one that um, adds it to an action list if you want. So there's just a whole bunch of stuff you can do with this stuff. And the, and the beautiful thing about this whole thing is you get to set them yourself. I mean, you can add attributes to basically any action you want. And there's just a little switch bar for the Gmail shortcuts. So as you're going through the list of messages, you know, I can go through arrow down and then hit return. And then that just um, that saves it to archive or enter. So I can arrow down archive, you know, arrow down, return to archive, arrow down, left arrow key to open OmniFocus. It sounds a little tedious as I explain it, but once you get this under your fingers, uh, you can process email on an iPad just as fast as you can process it on a Mac. And that is not the goal of all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, so keyboard shortcuts are a really great thing. Same thing. Like they went crazy with 3d touch. So going over to the phone with the 3d touch, uh, if I've got it, it's in my dock at this point, airmail, I can force touch it and create a new message. I can do a search. I can go to a VIP. I can go to all inboxes. So it's got a nice, interesting set of options. When I hit the 3d touch button, you know, they're really just kind of firing on all cylinders and trying to bring this app to be everything for everyone. Um, navigation 
I talked about navigation with the keyboard, but you can also have navigation through gestures. And um, one of the nice things on the iPad or the phone is if you just take two fingers on a message and swipe up, it goes to the next message on the list. And when you're in that view where you're just seeing the message, especially on the phone, it saves you a bunch of gestures to, to back out, you know, go down, tap another one, go in, just take two fingers and swipe up way faster. Um, I, I really like the way that they have gone about this, you know, trying to make it a power tool. The, the email composer as well, I think is more powerful. It, it's full HTML. It has a drawing tool right in it. If you want, um, there are problems with the composer uh, if you like to do inline replies. And this is one of my mm. big gripes with this application. But isn't that an issue with almost all of the iOS mail clients? I mean, I know it certainly is with Apple mail. Yeah, but it's worse with airmail. Uh, I, I sent them a note. I, I think they're working on it, but like if I go into the body of a message and hit return, it's going to keep it in that reply indentation with the line down the screen. Mm-hmm. And there's a bug in it right now where you can go up into the menu bar and hit the, what is it, the reverse indent button to unindent. And it will remove, there's a very strange behavior. It'll remove the line on the left side so it doesn't look like it's part of the original message, but it'll keep the same color as the reply. The text is the same color, which is very confusing to the, to the recipient Unless first you type some text and then you hit the unending button and then it, it removes the line and makes it black. So, um, you know, it needs work. In fact, I would say of all the apps I'm talking about today, Airmail is the one that's still a little shaky around the edges. I think it's well, the only one. And it's one new. That, it's one of the newer ones, too. Yeah, it's, it's the only one that I've had that's I've had a couple times where it just crashed on me outright. And I don't even know why. It's not frequent, but it's happened a couple times. Um, like the, the reply stuff is a little rickety. There's a couple things in airmail that just aren't quite right yet. And I suspect they're working on it, but, um, if that's the kind of stuff that really puts you off an app, then airmail may not be for you. Um, but they add so many features to this thing, like send later is something I didn't think I would see on a, uh, an iOS app, but you can send later, you know, the idea of, you know, um, sending an email out, like a lot of times just because of my life, I'm writing email at two in the morning <laughs> and, um, you don't, don't want people to know you're doing that. Yeah, exactly. So I'll set it to, to email later and depending on your email engine, like Gmail and exchange, it'll actually do it even if the app is closed. But for most of them, you need to leave the app open. Now, will um, it do it like in the background? Will it, cause I, if it keeps it in the background, will it check every now and then or no? Yeah. Yeah. As long as the app is not actually closed it'll work okay um another thing they do that's really kind of awesome is they have smart folders i mean for the longest time one of the things that kept me out of um ios alternate clients for emails i like smart folders i've got them on my mac um however you know apple mail doesn't support them and you know apple mail has we'll talk about later they've got kind of the built-in set of smart folders but with with airmail, I can actually create them. I can say, give me a folder that just shows me email that Katie Floyd sent me. And I can do that. And it syncs it because I've got the ability to sync my settings. This stuff starts to feel really powerful after a while. You know, Mm -hmm. you can say, here's my favorite client and I'm going to have a folder that just has email from that client and it'll do that for you. And it works across the platforms. If you want to use airmail on your Mac, you'll see them there too. And uh, that's really nice. 
another feature they have is read receipts. And that's the ability to see when somebody opens a mail. This is a thing that's been going on as of late. Some people are really freaked out by it. You know, they don't want to know when other person reads their email. I really don't care that much. I'm sure people send me stuff with read receipts and they see that I open it and then don't respond for two weeks. Uh, you know what? That's, that's life. If you really need me to reply quickly, give me a call. But the, um, uh, and, and to be honest, I don't, I don't use them very much, but if that's your thing, this application supports it. I don't ever send read receipts. Yeah. That always kind of annoys me when they do it on text too. You know, the, the read receipt on a text. Oh, well that I do like, I, though I think in iOS 10, we're getting selective read receipts now. So I'm going to turn on selective read receipts. So I only send it to selected people. So just me, you'll just find out when I read your texts. <laughs> I, I do not want you to turn off your read receipts for me. Um, the uh, It has the ability and, and a, a feature that's been going on for some time now is this idea, uh, idea of snoozing email. Yeah, uh, we talk about one of our sponsors is SaneBox and SaneBox does a really good job. One of their features is to take an email and push it off by hours, days or weeks so you don't have to see it. In the meantime, I love this feature. I made fun of it when I first heard of it. I thought it was dumb. And now I don't know how I'd get by without it. Do, do, are you are you a big user of deferred email? I don't know mm, how yeah. far you've gone down that yeah. road. I try not to defer it too much further than, or try not to defer it too more often than once. Because if I'm just deferring, 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 it yeah, it gets to be a problem. Um, and I try not to defer too much more than like either tomorrow or weekend or Monday or something like that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you find yourself deferring the same thing over and over again, maybe you just need to archive it or delete it or whatever. Just accept the fact that you're not going to do it. Yeah. um, But the ability to kind of get that space in your inbox and not see all that stuff hanging out in there. And and to me, it's like an intermediate step between sticking something in OmniFocus. I mean, there's plenty of email that I, I do. In fact, we've already talked in this show about how I take an email and turn it into an OmniFocus task. But if I did that with every listener email that came in and every person asking me a question about a book they bought, um, I would have a lot of data I'd be managing OmniFocus. And I'd spend so much time managing that data, I wouldn't actually do any of it. So deferring email is a great way to kind of say, okay, uh, this person has a question I need to answer, but it can wait for three hours or it can wait till, you know, a couple of days from now. Um, so some of these clients have said, hey, we're going to handle that for you. And I guess there's an advantage to that because there's not a monthly fee to it where, you know, if you get a service, you have to pay a fee. I don't really like it. Uh, I tried it with all these services because the um, the problem is you've got to use their application in order for it to work. And it sticks a bunch of junky folders in your, you know, your IMAP structure. And if you, so let's say you don't want to use this application on every device, or maybe you just want to use this application for parts of your email it can get really confusing and it's a, it's a really great way to lock you in, but I, I just don't, I'm not a huge fan of that. So, but it's there and they have it. And if that's what you want, if you want a place to try it out, this is a good place. This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by the Omni group and their excellent task management application. OmniFocus. OmniFocus is task management for grownups. These days we all have a lot of commitments and it's difficult to keep up with everything. OmniFocus is an application that allows you to make order out of chaos. OmniFocus isn't just a simple to-do list. Instead, it has things like perspectives that lets you see your tasks in a variety of different contexts and planning modes. 
It's got a review system, so you can go back and review your projects occasionally and make sure you're on track. OmniFocus also has filters that allows you to slice and dice your data however you want to look at it. And best of all, once you've got all of your task managements figured out and your projects planned, OmniFocus reduces it to a simple, manageable task list that you can take care of on your iPhone, your Mac, your iPad, or even your Apple Watch. Last week, I was in San Francisco, and I spent a lot of time with clients and developers and other people I'm working on projects with. Throughout those conversations, tons of great ideas came to me and were discussed, and I didn't want to lose any of them, so I captured them all into my OmniFocus inbox. OmniFocus makes this super easy. You can do it on the watch or the iPad or the Mac or any device. It takes just seconds to write something down, and then you never lose it. When I got back to my desk this week, I went through that inbox and made a ton of great projects out of all those great ideas. I didn't miss a thing. And it's exactly that kind of process that makes OmniFocus so awesome. The Omni Group is a collection of programmers and designers and people that just want to make the best task management application ever. The application has now years of refinement under its belt, but it does just continue to get better. Recently, they added the ability to have 3D touch on the iPhone 6S, so you've got peek and pop right in your task manager. Despite all the power behind OmniFocus, the Omni Group has managed to keep the application simple. This is no small feat, and if you spend just a little bit of time with the application, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. OmniFocus is the only reason I'm able to manage a podcast and books and a law practice and being a dad and all the other things I do. I bet the same would be true for you as well if you gave it a shot. To learn more, head over to omnigroup.com omnifocus. In addition to explaining the application, they have testimonials there and videos and tons of great resources on how to use the application and how people are getting great things done using OmniFocus. Thank you, OmniGroup, for making such a wonderful application and all your support of the Mac Power users. Airmail. There's a lot to love about Airmail. Um, one of my favorite features, I already talked about the keyboard shortcuts, so I won't wax on about it, but you know, adding really robust keyboard shortcuts to an iPad app should make a lot of sense to developers and users, and Airmail gets that. The other thing is the customizable swipes, which is kind of a variation of that. When you're without a keyboard on the iPhone or on the iPad, you can drag a swipe from left to right or right to left, and you can put as many in there as you want. Obviously, if you put too many, it's going to be hard to hit the right target because it's going to be so small. But I even have three swipes going from the right and two swipes going from the left, and this is fully customizable. Uh, as opposed to Apple Mail and some of these other applications where they've got a very limited number of options, uh, Airmail goes as far as saying create an OmniFocus task from this action. That saves me time when I can do that. Um, another thing I really like about Airmail is the sharing extension support. Like export to PDF gives you a nice view of the PDF. You know, the, the whole thing that started me on this journey was getting something out to PDF. Airmail does a great job of it. In fact, I have a really um, interesting workflow. I'm going to post it on the website. I'm making my pledge right now, Katie, before the show goes live. There will be a post at Max Barkey with a workflow workflow that I made. Okay. I, I'm trying to figure, is that the right word? Workflow workflow? I think it worked. <laughs> okay. All right. You got me. You got me. But um, it's really cool. It takes the existing PDF that you've created in Airmail, saves it as a variable. Then it takes the current date and puts it in the proper ISO format with the dash, of course. And then it 
puts up a thing on the screen. It says, what is this? And you can type in the name of it. And then it, it puts all that together. It puts the date, the description and the magic um, Hazel terms. In this case, it might be Max Sparky expense. And then it saves it to the appropriate folder on Dropbox, all with the tap of one button. And so you combine that workflow workflow with Airmail's export to PDF. And I can now get emails saved to Dropbox and fully coded faster or just as fast as I can do it on the Mac. That stuff makes me happy. Um, signature support's pretty great, although I think Spark does a better job of that. Um, the third-party support is, I'm really happy with it. I, I mentioned earlier how it drops you into the app. What I didn't, you know, the punchline of all that is, you know, the top left button just says return to Airmail. So once you get it created in the app you want, does the same thing with Evernote. Uh, you just hit the top left button, you go straight over back to your mail and you can archive and do what you want. They have a long list of third-party support. I mean, you can not only save it as a PDF, you can open it to PDF Expert, or you can put it into Fantastic Hell. I mean, and just about any to-do application on the planet, that seems like they support it. So no matter where you're going with this stuff, they've got you covered. Same thing with attachment saving. They, they cover everything. Google, Dropbox, Dropler, OneDrive. I mean, you name it, they can do it. Um, the search is uh, getting onto the, the parts I don't like. Um, the search almost kills Apple mail, but then it's faster. It shows results, but I have found sometimes it doesn't find an email that I know to exist. Oh, well, that's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> and this is part of the thing where I think it's like the app is still an active development. I think they're still kind of tightening things down, but the search is, um, is not as fast, but not entirely reliable. Uh, the inline replies are a mess. Um, it, when I get PDF download attachments in Airmail, it was one of the slowest of all the apps I tried in terms of just downloading the PDF. I don't know why that was. And I thought at first it was just that the one person that sent me the email had a bad server, but this was consistent throughout this testing period. Um, no text expander. I mean, hmm. how, how do you make an app that's supposed to be the end all be all and not have text expander support in it? I, I guess maybe they're just relying on the keyboard support. I, I bugged them about it on Twitter. They said, I think they said something to the extent that, that, you know, they, they're not there yet, but they just haven't got it. But, you know, so the way I get around it on iPad pro is you just swipe over from the right, you know, text expander fully supports iOS nine features. So you can just swipe down to have it on the right side of the screen and uh, and one advantage that I kind of got used to this that I did not get with the native built in apps, like, for instance, the conference call snippet, you know, stuff that has fill ins doesn't work with um, with built in support. You've got to actually go to the text expander app anyway to make that work. So it's not it's not as bad as I thought it would be not having text expander because I can still get it with a swipe over. But I do wish it was built into the application. Um. The send and archive behavior, I don't like. You have to do one or the other. You know, it's like you either send it or you send an archive. I would like to be able to choose. Um, and all this is stuff that feels to me like if they just had another like three or four months of the app, they probably a lot of this stuff would get solved. Um, uh, another like buggy problem I have is sometimes I will save an email to a Sanebox later folder or some other folder, and then it comes back in a few seconds. Boomerang. Yeah. And that doesn't happen with Apple mail. Like, in fact, sometimes when I have that problem, I'll jump over to Apple mail and I'll put it in the right folder and then I'll go back to Airmail and it'll stay in the right folder. So there's something going on where it's not recognizing that I've moved a message. Um, it, it's just, it's still rough around the edges, I guess is 
you know, if you, um, if you try this app out and you run into some of those problems, I, I can understand why you wouldn't want to use it because of that. All that being said, it's not terrible. It's not like crashing on me every hour or even every day, but there are some parts of this thing that need work. Yeah. Well, you've spent a good bit of time kind of, uh, you know, going down the, the rabbit hole here on, on airmail. It, it sounds like despite it's, you know, kind of wonkiness and the fact that it's a little new, it, it sounds like you've really found an email client that you like. Yeah, it's really, I think my primary email client, but I also really like spark. That's the other one that I would be very tempted to use full time. Oh, now is that just because of the name? I do appreciate the name. I met with the developers at WWC and I gave them my blessing. I said, that that's a good, I think you just should name every app after me and that'll help you sell a lot. I'm sure. Okay. But the, um, but spark is, I think spark is, um, like airmail aimed at becoming your full-time mail application. And it's a little more refined. I mean, it's more stable, uh, but it's not quite as powerful. That that's the the angle. In fact, of all the when I when I kind of let out the cat out of the bag, I was doing this. And we've talked about this a few times on the show. We've got a lot of email from listeners, and I think Spark is the most popular third party mail app that I saw in all the emails coming in. A lot of people sent me in the uh, "This changed my life" email about how much they love Spark for their email. And uh, so, what what feature specifically do you think about Spark was that this changed my life? Do you think it was? Do you think it was the design? Do you think it was just because a lot of the features that Spark has are are features that we've seen in other email clients like, you know, unified inbox and snoozing and share seats. I mean, th- those are all things that we've seen in other email clients before. Yeah. Is it One just the they, combination? Yeah, I, I, I do think the design plays a big role in it. I even just using it, I've been using it the last couple of days as I knew we were recording and I've been spending all my time in airmail and wanted to kind of go back into Spark for a few days. It's really pretty. I mean, I don't know how to put it. The uh, the typography, the layout, the minimal icon design. Um, whoever put this thing together, design wise, really knew what they were doing, and I think that's one reason a lot of people really love it. Uh, in addition to the unified inbox, they also have this like inbox categorization, and that goes beyond the uh, deferred email. You know, putting something out two days, where it actually tries to decide what's important to you and what's not important to you. Again, this is kind of like duplicating a feature that is insane bucks. I, I never found that it worked that well for me, and I wasn't really that interested in it anyway. Um, and I guess that's one of the questions I should answer. As I was going through all this, I think, well, do I need Sanebox? I mean, could I use one of these apps to take its place? And mm. the, the Sanebox type features, it really doesn't satisfy that. And the advantage of Sanebox is, without trying to sound like I'm promoting a, a sponsor, is honestly it's that you can use any app because it's all done on server side it doesn't matter so you you can jump between apps without losing all the power Um, but that that email categorization is something a lot of people like they also have some nice little things like you can respond to an email with a with an icon they have like little happy faces and thumbs up and at first I kind of made fun of that or thought that was silly, but then I got thinking, well, why not? You know, when somebody sends you an email that really doesn't need much of a reply, but you just want to acknowledge that you received it, send them a little cute spark icon. And then they know that you got it. And that's usually good enough. So I've been testing that out with some of the feedback that we get from Mac power users and people generally like it, but you know, that's kind of 
trying to bring something new to the email medium. And as, as we talked about at the WWDC show, people are increasingly interested in icons and uh, things other than words to convey ideas. Yeah. Not me, but other people I hear. <laughs> yeah. You were very clear on that. <laughs> you know, and I just want to say for the record that I, we have had many Mac powered users chime in on their support of my position. And even CGP Gray said that he hopes there there needs to be an accessibility feature because apparently stodgy stodgy old man and stodgy old woman is is a feature that needs to be planned for in accessibility. Oh no, I I, I acknowledge that you are there. This is a divisive issue. I mean, a lot of people, even just walking around WWDC, there was a lot of people that were you know. Can I use the word cantankerous about it? Sure. You know? yeah. do, do not emojify and do not gifify my messages or yeah, my but emails. Then I, I guess the reason why I, I see it differently is because I see my wife and kids and how much they like communicating that way. Okay. Can, I, I think it's, can, can I think we it's, take a, a little side train and can I tell you the thing that just bothers me and freaks me out the most is no, when what? my mom messages. My mom has really gotten into iMessage and just yeah. messaging in general. and and. It, something about that to me just feels wrong when my mom messages me and either sends me an emoji or sends me a message that is not a complete sentence. Like she will use like the number four instead of F-O-R and then you, the letter U instead of Y-O-U. And I, I'm just something about that when your mom does it is is just that is not proper. Has your mom sent you the poop emoji yet? She, no, <laughs> she does not need to know about the poop emoji. <laughs> What's your mom's phone number? No. <laughs> I can talk to her. Uh, that, the, um, that, that will just be when the, the universe implodes. I, I'm just going to have to get rid of my phone when that happens. <laughs> the, um, I, I, I do think that text by itself can be misleading. I mean, we're lawyers. We see that all the time. Somebody sends a letter or an email and the other person takes it entirely wrong and causes all sorts of grief. So you're going to start writing contracts with emoji in it? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I, I also think that like the idea of fireworks, somebody randomly sending me fireworks whenever they feel like it will make me want to hurt myself. So I, I'm somewhere in the middle of it all. But the uh, it is interesting. So so I guess this is the anti Kitty Floyd feature yes. <laughs> with Spark. You can you can send a little icon back and they have different ones you can use. Uh, I think they're trying to look at different ways to tackle email. Um they um they use categorization in their notifications, which is an interesting thing. So you don't necessarily get a notification for every email. And I'm really the wrong person to talk much about notifications for all these. I turn them on to make sure they work. And then I turn them off because just like Katie doesn't like emoji, I don't like email notifications. But the um uh I actually going back to airmail, they actually had where you can perform actions on the emails when the notifications come in. But I, I almost never get them. So it didn't really affect me much. The share sheet functionality with Spark was not as good as the share sheets are with Airmail. And that is probably the primary reason why if I had to pick one, I would stick with Airmail. Because um, uh, Spark nat uses the native share sheets like the OmniFocus one. I can't set a flag or a due date or a defer date with it where it doesn't just drop me into the app and put the thing in there. And I think that was a design choice. It allows you to stay in their application and not leave. But I am... Um, I feel like I really want to go all in with the share sheets. That's the whole reason I started this, this journey anyway. So um, airmail, I think gets share sheets, right? Um, th some of the, the good parts are of spark are, I think the search is just rock solid. 
Um, it's fast. It, it does a nice job of finding things. You know, when I run a test of an, it, I never found spark missing an email that I knew was there. And I think this may be the first app I've said that about in this review. Um, I think their user interface is super clean and solid, probably more so than any of the ones we're going to talk about today. So that's definitely worth you know looking into. Um, signature swiping. Uh, it's, it's a cool feature. I don't know why anybody else has ever um, used this before. When you write an email, you know, you have your signature at the bottom. If you just swipe across your signature, it'll cycle through the various signatures you have. Oh, that's it's a good a, idea. It's a, just a gesture-based thing. Super easy to use. In Airmail, your signature is it's like carved in stone. You can't like go in and edit it. You can't you basically can't do anything with it. But it like, is unique per account, right? So you can have a different you have a different signature for your law account than you do for your Sparky account. Yeah, but you can have multiple ones. Like I, I was in the middle when I was in San Francisco. I was negotiating a contract with another lawyer and I said I need to he needs to have my cell phone number because I'm in San Francisco being fancy. And so I I just wanted to add my cell phone number to my signature in Airmail and I could not. It just, I ended up actually accidentally deleting the email mm-hmm. signature and I just, uh, it was just a big pain, made me crazy. Where Spark does a, a better job of that. Um, even though Katie doesn't like it, the icon responses are kind of cool. Um, the swiping is not as powerful as Airmail. I guess that's another thing I really like about Airmail is the keyboard shortcuts and the swiping. Um, it's just not as much of a power user application. It's definitely more powerful than Apple Mail, but it falls somewhere in the middle. Um, but you know, we, we just got so many emails from people that love this application. They like the way, um, you can change the send from account, although you can do that in Apple mail too. Um, the snooze and saving is a big thing for people. And, um, I don't know. I, I think this is one to check out. Uh, you know, if, if you get put off by airmail and its power, spark is a, a nice step behind that. All right. And, and then there are other, I'm sorry, anything else we need to talk about with Spark? No, no, no. No, there's not. Let's, let's move on. Well, and then the other kind of email applications that, you know, we should, we should mention, obviously Gmail has an email application. I've used that one a, a little bit and I've kind of used it, it. I think it's fine if you only use Gmail or if, if maybe you have one or two Gmail apps, but it's, it's pretty much just an app interface for the Gmail web interface, which I personally don't like that much. So if you are a real fan of the Gmail web interface and that's how you like seeing your email in the most purest of Gmail forms, then you may want to check out the Gmail app. Um, Yeah. And that's it. If you want, Google brings some interesting tools to the table. They do filtering. They do um, email deferring tools. They, I mean, Google, that's their whole, their whole game is we want to do email different, but a lot of those features you need their app for. Yeah. They are not a happy player in the iOS community, though. They don't have share sheets. You know, they don't, you know, in some ways they're kind of like Apple, you know, like well, this is the way we want to do it. And don't worry your pretty little head about other applications and going anywhere outside of our universe. Like even storage, I couldn't find a way to st- save to Dropbox. I can save to Google storage, but, you know, saving to Dropbox was a problem, you know, and, uh, so they want you to be in their little garden. And um, if you're okay with that, Gmail application is probably the play, way, place to go. Right. Search is obviously awesome. It's Gmail. I've, I've used the Gmail app limitedly, but like I've used it for a specific instance when I, I we, hit, we set up like a Gmail account for a, a group that I was a part of. And I didn't want to add the group email like to my Apple Mail app because I, I didn't want all that stuff coming to Apple Mail. 
but I wanted to con- I wanted that Gmail segregated from my way- mail. And I wanted to be able to check that email like maybe once a week or so to, to stay on top of emails that were coming into that Gmail address. So that was an instance when I loaded and used the Gmail app. Um, so I think there's a place for it. Yeah, agreed. Um, the but other, oh, go ahead. I, I would say that it's not really a power solution unless you are exclusively Gmail. Right. Um, the other thing that we have talked about in the past is um, uh, uh, Outlook app. And this is one that I've I've used on I've I've tried it for a while. One of the things that um, it's it's a very pretty app. I know a lot of people have used the app as their primary app and have switched to it. It supports some things like snoozing. Um, it it works great if you're an Exchange user. Asterisk. I'm going to use um, for most things. It supports normal IMAP. It supports iCloud. It's a very pretty app. app. Outlook Apple actually bought the app from somebody else and have improved it. However. I came up upon a curious situation when the Outlook app would not be allowed to use the email from my school's Exchange account back when I was using that. And we got a lot of Mac Power users, listeners who wrote in uh, because it was the way that Outlook was storing the password credentials. It was something that was borrowed over from the previous app. So as a result, not all institutions may allow you to use the, the Outlook app. That's kind of a hoot when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, but well, a, well, Microsoft's pushing the envelope harder than Apple is, though. I mean, they are having things like deferred email and email sorting and some some of these other tools that I think people are starting to recognize we all need. Yeah. So a lot of people really like Outlook. Let's get to Apple Mail and see what. So after going through this stuff, what is it about Apple Mail that we still like? So I want to thank our next sponsor for this episode, and that is Fujitsu and their amazing line of ScanSnap products. Now, we've been raving about the ScanSnap scanners for quite a while here, and I know a lot of you have picked some up already. And if you haven't, you really should take a look at them. My personal favorite is the iX500 scanner. I've got one sitting right here on my desk. It is a full duplex scanner with a 50-sheet document feeder. So what that means is it's going to whip through up to 50 sheets of paper or more. It's going to scan both sides of the page as you send it through, and it is amazingly fast. It will connect either via USB 3 or it will connect via Wi-Fi, and you can scan to your Mac or directly by mobile devices. But what makes all of the scan snaps really so magical is not only their amazing hardware, but they're great software as well. So you get this great ScanSnap software that will allow you to decide where you want to scan your files. Do you want to automatically OCR your files? And by the way, I suggest you do. Do you want to scan them directly to your computer? Do you want to scan them to email? Do you want to do individual scans or batch scans? Do you want to organize your receipts or your business card? Do you want to scan to a specific cloud service? Or you can now scan to the ScanSnap cloud. And this is a new product that Fujitsu just recently uh, introduced so that you can scan your documents directly to Fujitsu ScanSnap cloud. It is going to intelligently sort those scans into different categories based on what you've previously set up and then deliver those scans to your favorite cloud services like Evernote, Dropbox, Google Drive, Google Photos, OneDrive, Box, Expensify, or Shoebox. So kind of think of it like using Hazel, but in the cloud with all of your ScanSnap stuff. It's pretty cool. So you once you've got it configured, you can say, for example, hey, send all of my receipts to Evernote and all of my documents to Dropbox and all of my photos to Google Photos, you can set that up with ScanSnap Cloud. And all you've got to do is run your documents through your ScanSnap. It's going to automatically figure out what they are and send them to the appropriate cloud service for further processing. 
it's a pretty cool thing to do. And if you haven't checked it out yet, you already should. And here's the best part of it. It's free for existing ScanSnap customers and for new customers if you don't have one already. It's going to work on your iX500 or your iX100 scanners. You don't have to do anything else. Just go download the software and turn it on. So you can learn more information about ScanSnap Cloud and the entire lineup of Fujitsu scanners by heading over to budurl.me slash SSMPU. That stands for ScanSnap MPU. And thanks to Fujitsu for their kind support of the show. I think, well, Apple Mail started out pretty basic on iOS. They have put quite a bit of power into it over the last several years. Um, and they've liberally borrowed from third parties, you know, and the, uh, some of the features like swiping and some of the things we've been talking about have mysteriously shown up in Apple Mail. Yeah, it it has, you know, and one of my favorite things that is, has shown up in Apple Mail that Apple has adopted was originally from Twitterific, where you pull down to refresh. Yeah. yeah. Was that tw- Twitterific? I think it was Tweety. Tweety was, it was where yes, it was. Yes, it was called Tweety. It yeah, was Tweety. Right. Yeah. Uh, which then got uh, incorporated into the original uh, Twitter app, the new, the new Twitter app. So something a lot, something a lot of people don't realize with Apple Mail is in the setup. If you go, you got the list of mailboxes on the left side. If you hit the little edit button, you've actually got quite a bit of customization you can do there. Uh, not only can you change the d- order of the accounts they're shown in, you can also have it add uh, Apple created smart mailboxes to the list, like. Uh, like for instance, they've got one that just shows attachments or they've got one that shows thread notifications. Um, many of the smart mail boxes that you would traditionally prepare on a Mac are kind of built in to Apple mail now, and you just have to check a box to make them show up. And I don't think most people know that's there. Um, the other thing you can do is you can go into your individual accounts and mark specific folders to be included on the root directory of your mail account list. Um, and for instance, if, if you've got an action folder, a place where you put email for later action, you can have it show up right on that root level. So you don't have to drill down to it anytime you want to see it. Have you ever played with that feature in Apple Mail, Katie? Oh yeah. I have a couple of things in my, in, right there. So yeah. yeah. And when you've got the edit button pressed, you can kind of press and re restore them, which is nice. You can, you know, change the order that they're displayed in. Um, I like to group them by account and then it just makes it really easy for me to go through email and the display in some ways I think is superior to some of the other apps. I didn't really talk about this with airmail for instance, but with airmail, you've got to hit a disclosure triangle to show all the account, the folders under any specific account. So there's a couple taps before you can get to a specific folder. Whereas an Apple mail, as soon as you turn it on its side and you have that pane on your left side, you're ready to go. You just tap the one you want. So in some ways, Apple Mail is better, and uh, and that's one. Uh, the 3D t- touch support's okay. Uh, it it focuses on VIPs. I like VIPs in Apple Mail, but I mainly use that for notifications. Those are the ones that get through Agreed. my notification wall. And I don't really very often go looking for VIP emails. The way I sort mail, it just doesn't really matter. Um, uh, in terms of swipe behavior, uh, Apple Mail did kind of pick up with swipe behavior, but nobody has implemented it as well as airmail has, in my opinion, with the swipe on Apple mail, you can archive, delete, you can move. Um, but you know, there's very limited customization you do in terms of all of these things like swipe behavior and Apple mail. And frankly, a lot of people don't even know it's there because it's not in the app. You got to go into the settings app 
and then scroll down to where the mail is, and then you'll find swipe behavior in that separate app. And, you know, I've just left mine almost to the default because once I've gotten used to it, 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 you know, it is what it is. I like the move one. I mean, the two things I want to do is archive or move. And but when you hit the move one, then it opens a separate list of folders that you Mm -hmm. have to go in and tap on the right one. But that's still faster than going into the the application, hitting the move icon and then selecting. So it saves you a tap. And if you're just kind of especially with your phone, you're just working through with your thumb. You can get through pretty quickly that way. Um, composing email with Apple mail. Uh, there's a couple things that I think it does the best. Uh, I talked about it earlier, but adding recipients in Apple mail, and I don't know if it's because it's a native app and they have better access to the, to the, um, contacts database, or if it's because I used Apple mail for so long that it knows my behavior better, but Apple mail just never gets it wrong. When I'm, when I'm start to type a person's name and it auto fills the name in for me. Well, and one of the things that it will also do is it will autofill, it will auto select the account that you're sending from. So, you know, if you've got a personal account and a work account and you only email this person from your work account, it will typically select your work account to send the message from, which is nice. Yeah. And, and it'll even like when I was in San Francisco and working on that big contract, there, there was a group of four people that I kept having to email that were involved with this negotiation. And after a while, Apple Mail figured that out. So if I just started typing the first person's name, you know, then it would say Larry, Curly, Moe, and Jack. And uh, it, it would just, as soon as I started typing Larry, it would give me one of the autofill options would be all four of them. And none of the other applications do that. Have you ever bumped into that thing on iOS where it does that for you? Oh, I don't, I don't do that very often, but. It's, it's super cool. useful, you know. So that makes it nice. Um, the uh, composing email, select and reply for um, text. If you select text and then hit reply, then it just pulls the text you've selected. So you can have, it's a sort of an inline reply, so long as you're limiting it. And inline replies are frankly better than airmails. Inline replies, if I hit the carriage return, it, it actually breaks the text and lets me write in the middle of it without having to do anything funny with the formatting. Um, uh, for years, um, Apple Mail was terrible about adding attachments. In fact, it really didn't allow you to add attachments. You had to go into a third-party app and create a new email with the attachment from the <laughs> attachment. In essence, I, 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 it just baffles me that that was the way you did it for as long as you did. Um, and I didn't talk about this with respect to the other apps. They all the ones I've covered today allow you to add attachments pretty easily. None of them, including Apple Mail, allow you to add more than one attachment. Uh, that's one of my kind of like banging head against the wall things when I'm using the iPad to get work done is I want to send three documents to a person and I have to go hit insert attachment. Then I have to, you know, go through iCloud storage or Dropbox or wherever it is to find it. And all three things I want to send are sitting right next to each other, but I can't send them all with one action. I have to go through and click each one individually. And of course, each time I hit add attachment, it goes back to the root directory of wherever I was looking. It, it's just crazy. you know. <laughs> I was really hoping that that would be a problem that gets fixed in iOS 10. At this point, uh, I'm only using beta one and it it's not. In fact, the iCloud picker is a mess right now. So the fact that it's a mess makes me hope that it's still a work in progress and it, it will get better. Uh, no text expander. Of course it's an Apple product. Yeah. You got to use the keyboard. Yeah. Um, um, 
iOS text substitution can work, except it's just so inconsistent. Have you had that issue where where you use the built-in text substitution in iOS and it just doesn't remember it when you go from your phone to your iPad? So I'm having the issue right now. I had to, I was having issues with my phone freezing when the the phone app was open and that was very, that was a problem. So I had to do, and I may never do this again, a full restore of my, or a, a reset of my phone without restoring it from a backup, you know, just a complete from scratch wipe. Yeah. And, and they, uh, my text shortcuts no longer sync anymore. Yeah, that happened to me. And that happened to me like a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> and I've I've gone I've done everything. I've disabled iCloud. I you know, about every two or three months I get frustrated and decide, okay, I'm gonna solve this problem. And the problem is the software is buggy and it just doesn't work. I mean, if you start researching on the internet, there there's nothing I can do to solve the problem. Um, with the iOS ten beta that I've got running on a couple devices, it is syncing on those devices. So I'm holding a candle out that maybe this problem is fixed when we get iOS ten. You know, finally, um, things I like about Apple Mail, um, like I said, the auto name fill in is just great. Data detectors are great. You know, it, it, it just works on iPhone. You know, we tap on a date or a phone number. You can add it to your contacts and you, you get certain things with Apple Mail because it's integrated the operating system like no other. And and I wish that, you know, as much as I like some of the features I talk about in AirMail, I also wish I could yank them out and stick them in Apple Mail. Uh, markup, you know, if you're using an iPad, especially with a pencil, you can use that markup feature. If you've got something attached, you can basically edit PDFs right in the email message, which is pretty nice. Do you, Do you use that? Use at that? All? I, I don't. Yeah, I don't use I do. it at all. On occasion, I use it. Something quick and dirty. It works for that. Um, why on earth, you know, but but then I always come back to the things I don't like about Apple Mail, and that list got longer as I was going through this experience. Why is there not a share sheet? I mean, we talked about mm-hmm. theoretical reasons why there may not be one, but now we are on iOS 10. We're to double digits with the iOS. I, right? I can't believe it's been out 10 years. Yeah, and um, share sheets have not been here for 10 years, but it just seems to me like I, I was I was really disappointed when. Um, uh, at WWDC, I saw the first betas and there's no share sheet in Apple Mail. Well, and Apple Mail has certainly come a long way since the original mail application, but I don't feel like it's matured enough for it to have been 10 years old. Yeah. I mean, I feel like now a lot of the stuff I was talking about, and I granted like the super customizable keyboard shortcuts or the swipes are not something Apple would just ever go for because they don't want to make the app too confusing for you, for users. But why wouldn't it have some mechanism for deferring email built in? And why wouldn't it have a share sheet? That's Apple's own technology. I mean, Safari has a share sheet. I don't, you know, I, and I already explained why I think maybe one reason why it doesn't have it, but it just feels to me it's been several years now and that should have been solved. They don't have a Safari view controller. That's another one. When you hit a Safari link in Apple mail, it, it leaves the app and goes into Safari and loads the page in Safari rather than having it built into Apple mail, which yeah, is a technology that Apple brought out. I think it was last year, not at least last year. as big of a deal now that you've got the easy back button, but so. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's their operating system. Um, the other thing I like, you know, on one of the reasons why I, like, I still like, I think, Mac is the uh, Apple Mail is best for me on the Mac is it's so extensible. You know, you've got all this plug-in extensibility for Apple Mail. None of that, of course, exists on iOS. 
So, you know, it, Apple Mail, there's some things I like about it. I, I mean, ideally, I would like to be able to, like, pick features out of all these and assemble it into the world's greatest email app. But the problem is everybody has different needs. And uh, if one of these is perfect for you, you know, bless you because you're doing it right. But for me, there's things about all of these that I like. Uh, in fact, there's another one that I added to the list that is completely different. It's a Unibox. Now, have you tried you've this been, one? You've been talking about this. It's a very different type of email client that organizes your email by person, right? Yeah, I, I put it in the Apple Mail uh, field guide. I'm sorry, I put it in the email field guide. And then I've been using it um, lately for uh, when I get behind. And Unibox is, it's not really a day-to-day email application, but going back to that whole idea of email applications as as camera tools, as things that you can use for different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Unibox can order your email by people, which is the primary focus of the app. So I can just say Katie Floyd and see all the email between me and Katie. Um, or you can organize it by messages or attachments. So this is just kind of gives you a different um, filtering mechanism for how you see the email. I don't think it's a day-to-day email client at all. But when you get behind on things and you want to see, well, what's all the email that's related to this person that's been around in the last couple of weeks? Uh, and you can just focus on that problem while you work through it in Unibox. That works for me. So are you kind of using this again as like a utility? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to have in your tool belt. I I'm curious to see what else people do. I mean, there's, there's a market now people are making money selling email clients. So you're going to have developers trying to come up with new ideas. Um, winding back though, I am happy to report that I am not an Apple mill primarily user on iOS anymore. I, I've been using Airmail. Uh, I was very tempted today by Spark again, having gone back to look at it again and prep for the show. But I think Airmail is the one for me. It's the uh, the degree of customizab- customizability of it and the uh, the automation stuff that I can do that make it really the right one for me. For for me, the setup of of using Apple Mail as my primary client uh, still works best. I, I got to say though. Apple Mail on the Mac probably wouldn't be nearly as usable for me if it wasn't extensible. So, um, and I know this is on iOS email show, but I really hope that in the future, some of those options do come to Apple Mail on iOS, or maybe we see in future versions of iOS, like we have seen uh, with messages and maps, we start allowing developers hook into Apple Mail with some apps or with some extensions that we haven't seen thus far. I mean, that's that that could be what Apple decides to do with extensibility in Apple Mail. I, I hope that they do something with it. But for now, Apple Mail works for me on iOS. That's what I'm using. But I am keeping uh, Dispatch around uh, as, as kind of my email utility when I really need to power through things. And I'm really kind of looking forward to getting my hands on the 9.7-inch keyboard for, you know, times when I've got like an hour to kill somewhere and I want to just power through a bunch of email. That You know, that's what I've been using it for now, and it's been working really well. Well, for that person, the one who wants to power through email on an iPad Pro, I would say spend a few bucks, buy a copy of Airmail, set it up with an account or two, and and spend another 10 or 15 minutes just setting your preferences the way you want so you can get the keyboard to dance for you a little bit. I bet you'll like it better. I mean, I 
I was like you, I use dispatch in case of emergency. Like I'd get that email that needed to be printed off as a PDF and I'd open dispatch for that. But when you've got to go to a separate app to do that, it gets in the way. Um, airmail that, you know, because you've got that tool available to you all the time, you're more likely to use it. Yeah. All right, David. Well, I think we've about covered email on iOS. Oh yeah. Just about just a funny story while I was doing this research for this thing. At one point I was looking at notifications and every time my email went off, I got like notifications oh, from like geez. six apps. Yeah. <laughs> you got to Got to turn that off. Got to turn that off. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That didn't last very long. So. <laughs> let, let us know what your iOS email application is. And um, I'm particularly listen, interested in hearing from listeners that have gone off the reservation. They're using one that we haven't talked about today, but really works well for them because we haven't covered them all. There's a lot of them out there, but these were the ones that kind of made the cut for me. And as we talked about during the show, the, the one you pick is the one that really depends on your needs. But uh, there is a... Uh, a lot of options out there for you on iOS email. Sounds good. All right. Well, if you have more comments or things that we didn't cover regarding iOS email, you can send us an email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com, and we'll be sure to try to include the, some thoughts on that on our next live show. Or you can also send us a comment via Twitter. Make sure you try to use the hashtag AskMPU is the best way to do it. Uh, the show is at MacPowerUsers. I'm Katie Floyd, and he is Max Sparky. See you next week. <laughs>